see the Jews in the most positive light. Mark Twain rose above that and actually said extraordinary things about the Jews. We covered point number one, point number two, and began point number three, which is on page 12 in, that you have. Yeah, it, we'll go from three to five. He skips four, as you'll see in a minute. So now point three over here, his question was, how can Jews improve the situation? So my suggestions were, and we raised the question over here, how can you really improve the situation? Charity and good works is my first answer to that question. If you are somebody who can publicly give money to hospitals, you are somebody who can publicly engage in works of all kinds of righteousness, that might in fact change the perception of some about who in fact we are. Good. Raise the second question. Should we live apart? I made mention of that famous movie called A People Apart, Hasidim in America, and there that seems to cause somewhat anti-Semitism because people are seeing their Jews as living apart and that implies that you think you're superior. But what in fact do we do? We do think we're superior. That, that's one of the problems, obviously. But most nations think they're superior. Japan thinks okay. they're superior. Absolutely. So that's not, that's not a source of... Uh, Agree, but people... You're right. You're absolutely right. But people either don't know about it or they haven't been around that long. People seem to root as one cause of anti-Semitism in that notion that Jews think they're better. And that's what that movie indicates. Is the answer. We're going to get to that in a second. Hold on to that point in a second. Now, also, remember that Mark Twain's criticized for not volunteering military service. He was wrong. About many things that he had said, he was simply wrong. He wasn't a great historian. He was a high school dropout. He wasn't a great social scientist. Could analyze all his facts, all of his um, facts so well. So there were Jewish brigades. There were people that were involved at various points in military service. What does Mark Twain want of us? Organize as Jews. So that's, of course, he was extraordinarily knowledgeable about that issue. He said, look at the power of the Irish. They're so powerful because they're able to organize. And of course, we would say, look at the power of the Hasidim. They too are so able to organize. Then his point in page 13, Jews are scattered, all that, and he gave us all those kinds of statistics. If we were more organized and all focused and all involved in political situations, we can change our fate. Okay, that's not exactly true, it's somewhat true. Yeah, good to see you. Good. Now we have Herzl's plan. I think this is one of the greatest paragraphs of this entire essay. Page 13. Speaking of concentration, Dr. Herzl is referring to the great plan of Herzl, had a clear insight into the value of that. Have you heard of his plan? He wishes to gather the Jews of the world together in Palestine with a government of their own under the suzerainty of the Sultan, I suppose. Good. What is he talking about? Zionist Congress, 1898. He knew about it. What happens next? At the convention of Bern last year in Switzerland, there were delegates everywhere and the proposal was seen with decided favor. This happened 50 years later, 1947. Correct? Amazing. I'm not objecting. With that concentration of the cunningest brains in the world were going to be made in a free country, I think it would be positive to stop it. What's he really saying? Saying extraordinary things. Now, do you object to the word cunningness? Cunningest? Does that bother you, that word? Definitely. Well, certainly in our context it is however if you look up this word in the uh, OED in the Oxford English Dictionary you'd find that cunning could be also used in a positive context as well 
Why cunning? Sorry? Not usually. It depends on what cultural context you're coming from. Yeah, but remember English, that. You know, if you're talking today, you're talking about. Yeah. I'm going to put 100 years. But remember that Mark Twain was a master of words and how to use words Agreed. as a Agreed. double-edged sword. You know, Agreed. So oh, absolutely. You have to be very careful how you read every Okay, I buy it. I don't know if he intended this to be derogatory or not. I could certainly see that we would object to that term. I don't think I'd want to be thought of as cunning. Although, again, that's being said in a cultural context. In our contemporary cultural context, this word is negative and pejorative. I don't know if it were this going back a hundred years ago. What would happen? It would not be well to let the race find out its strength. The horses knew theirs. We should not ride any more. It's a very cute way of uh, ending mm-hmm. that paragraph. Good. But that's sort of positive. That's yeah, yeah. He appreciates what we could do. Right. Now, the interesting question I want to raise over here, is that true? Do you think that what he's saying over here, I would not, it would not be well to let the race find its strength? It's proven out. It's proven out. How so? In the state of Israel. Right. We're on the front page of the New York Times every single day. Amazing. Right. 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 That, that's the size of it that you drew on that blackboard. Right. right. It's astounding. It's astounding. In 50 years, what they've done, which is underappreciated, fighting five <laughs> major battles, five major wars, I should say, surrounded by a hostile population of 100 million Arabs. Had they do it? And yet... From a certain point of view, they have a high standard of living in, the, in that whole entire region. Cunning. They did it through cunning. <laughs> through cunning. Yes, he was right. It's utterly incredible how they did this. But they did it. The power of Israel is amazing. Yet, of course, the, there are problems and there are issues and there are social gaps between the rich and the poor. All that's true. They had miracles. They had miracles? Okay, I'll buy that. Certainly I'll buy that. Good. Let's look at the last point, or the fifth point. End of persecution. Very critical issue. You would want, <coughs> excuse me, you would want something who is a perceptive observer of the social scene to answer this question. Will the persecution of the Jews ever come to an end? Right? That's the question. So his answer is no. I think it has already, on the score of religion, I think it has already come to an end. Because if we're talking about religious anti-Semitism, come to an end. Has it? in contemporary times not completely is the church trying to make amends yeah. we'd probably say yes to that question yeah. the church is trying to when do you officially yes certainly officially unofficially you might be right. right it has not yet trickled down all the way to the average person there still is a great degree of hardcore who was it Pius the 13th who, who was it that made that like doctrine all that Pope John the 20th first of all Pope John the 23rd in the 1960s yeah. was the first to really make a very strong statement against anti-Semitism right. and then it was carried through to one degree or another it was Pope John Paul I, second but, okay. but John XXIII was an extraordinary personality so he was the first to I guess begin the ball rolling and so it really it was much later than Mark Twain's time yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah now the score of race oppression trade I have the idea they will continue right which is a very sad statement that is, here and there in spots about the world where barbarous ignorance and a sort of mere analysis of veil. But I do not think elsewhere, welcome, that the Jew now stands in favor of being robbed and raided. Now, it's amazing what he says about high civilization. Because he thinks, and I guess you would have to agree, that he could not be more wrong. 
he thinks that when you have high civilization, the Jew seems to be very comfortable, situated indeed. And to have more than a spiritual share of the better that's going. It has that look in Vienna. Suppose that race cannot be removed, but he can't stand that. No particular matter. But it's made by his make and way, substantially a foreigner, wherever he may be, and even and just like a foreigner. Is the word foreigner in German sense? Stranger. Xenophobia. If you're afraid of the stranger, you're afraid of the foreigner. All that's true. Good. Is it going to be wiped away with this high civilization? So, of course, we would all agree that Germany was the height of civilization at that point in time, and, of course, Germany is the greatest expression of anti-Semitism perhaps throughout history. So now, if we're talking about economic anti-Semitism, could that be rooted out? His major issue is economic anti-Semitism. We've spoken about that. And to some degree he's right. He says the Jew always puts the Christian down because we're always successful and they're not always successful. Could that be changed? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. If, sorry? No, but as he catches up, he'll catch up. Let's say, for example, for every Bill Gates, you have, let's say, his partner is Allen. Richard, was it Richard Allen? Paul Allen. Paul Allen, who was his partner. He must be worth a couple of billion dollars as well. And yet, if you have that model of Paul Allen as this wealthy, fantastically, fantastically wealthy person, you have Bill Gates, who is co-equal. It's, it's good for us that Bill Gates is Bill Gates and not Paul Allen. Is that clear, what I mean by that? that had Paul Allen been the Bill Gates of the company and were reversed, then imagine how profile this extraordinarily successful person is. He's very high profile. Worth 70, 80 billion dollars, whatever the number may be, or 40, whatever it may be at this point. But that would be very frightening for us. Today? Whatever it is. So that would be very frightening for us because then it's the Jew who has all this wealth. And that would be very frightening. So, it's good that Bill Gates is Bill Gates and Paul Allen, whatever he's worth, he must be worth a few billion dollars, yet he's not as high profile. That's the first point. I, don't, I, I wonder if he did. No, maybe he did. Paul Allen, he got sick. He stays home and sits at his pool all day. No, my question is, would he have been or could he have been as high profile as Bill Gates? Everybody knows who Bill Gates is. Very few know who Paul Allen is. So is that his high profile? No. So is that his personality, that's, that's, or is that that was uh, was it circumstances that put it or, in the picture? Right. Or was it the fact that he didn't want to be high profile? Because he said, "I don't want to be a, a, a multi really be Did Bill Gates really want to be high profile? He doesn't seem that high profile for, for the amount of money that he has and the amount of power that he has. He's not that high profile. I agree. He's he kind of a Yeah. I agree, but he still is. Right, that's for sure. We agree. Through circumstances, he has no choice. So so was this fortuitous that Paul Allen is not Bill Gates? Is it personality? Is it circumstance? What happened at the end of the day? Why is Paul Allen, who was a co-founder, I don't know if that's all the whole issue. Well, that's why he doesn't work anymore. It's not... He he left the company. But but before that, when the company was formed, they... Bill Gates was the guy. I mean, he was the person. Correct. Guy. Okay, good. So now, but that? now that he's, he's the person who's prominently wealthy. I mean, he was smart enough to Right. Us. Okay, good. So he's prominently wealthy, but he's not high profile, which is good for us. Because we'd be concerned, because of Mark Twain's concern about him, is that if we had all that kind of power, then the economic antisemitism might resurrect. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I don't know that it's so. I mean, were the Reichmans hated? When they were Olympia, New York, 
if Lieberman is, is the president... Well, that's political. Hold up, political will come back in a second. But just in terms of financial. Olympia York is the Reichmans, right? They were fantastically wealthy, right? Do we hear of, do we know that there was anti-Semitism because of that great wealth? Just because they were put in a package very of the Jews profile, being the rich ones, regardless of, you know, the name itself. You know, you're attacking just the family versus they represented the Jews as the wealthy. Who, the Reichmans? Right. But my question is, were they, what was, I don't remember reading that they were victims of anti-Semitism. Use, use better examples like Bolsky and uh, Michael Milken, who, who could have been hated easily. But right. I think maybe what's Good going point. on Mark today is, right. is that Merrill Lynch is in the same position today that Milken and Bolsky were then. And Merrill Lynch was always in trouble. Merrill Lynch is what, basically, we don't know who runs Merrill Lynch. Right. We, we, we envision it as wasps. Right. Well, we envision it as wasps. So right. the wasps are doing just as bad as the Jews are on Wall Street. So maybe that's why the Jews don't get that could uh, be. How about N? Uh, how about N? Enron. 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 Who ran it? It was wasps. No. I don't know. No, no Jews. I think it was one. Yeah, it was one. It was one. He was the accountant. The accountant. Yeah, So that's why. So So again, I don't think there is economic anti-Semitism nowadays. Is religious anti-Semitism to some degree? Yes, it has not yet filtered down, but the church is certainly making a lot of efforts to try to do so, which the Arabs are not, by the way. The Arabs are proliferating the protocols of Zion in Egypt and other places, and they're not stopping it. Not the clerics, not the political leaders. To, it serves their interest to have the Jews as a scapegoat. Correct. So on that front, it's not happening, but on the Christian front, it is happening. Now, what about racial anti-Semitism? That's not changing. It's some, simply somebody has a gut reaction of hatred towards the Jews because the Jews as a race, we can't pinpoint it, we can't explain it, we just don't like the Jews as a race. Now, of course... Sorry? We've been hated Yeah, yeah, that's where it comes down. That's what comes down. Yes, absolutely, it comes down to that, correct. Now, the chosen, the chosen nation kind of anti-Semitism, what do we do about that? There are those who want to assert that we are hated mainly because of this notion that we are chosen, which of course we understand. Nobody's going to feel good in the presence of somebody who thinks that he is superior to the other person, whether it's the Japanese or whether it's the Jews. So we can't change that because we cannot. We're chosen to suffer. Well, that that has been proven out by Jewish history for sure. But we don't want to be chosen to suffer. We hold that we're chosen because God chose us, and we cannot give this up either theologically or socially. So that's going to be the that which we have to bear. We don't want to give up that notion, first of all, because it really helps us as a people, on a social level. And theologically, if the book of Shemur, which expresses this notion, is correct, that we are theologically chosen, then we can't give it up. So we, if that is the cause, and it is in some contexts, if that's the cause of anti-Semitism, then we have to simply bear that. We agree. Correct? Nobody wants to give the chosen nation issue. Telushkin and Prager in their book, Why the Jews, roots anti-Semitism, not in economics, as it was during the Middle, East, uh, Middle Ages, not in religion, not in race, but mainly in this notion called the chosen nation. Once you assert that, then certainly anybody who is not that is going to be anti-you. So that's the root of anti-Semitism according to them. So it's a good point, it's a legitimate point, but we can't give it up. Right? And then, of course, this last kind, which is a little bit like Twain's point, or is Twain's point, which is Christians cannot compete Today, they are competing, as David pointed out, with the religious issues. To what degree, when Bosky and Milken had their issues, was that a Jewish issue? Does anybody remember that? 
it was more making an example of something that was done by these two guys. Who happened to be Jewish, maybe? Just happened to be But it Jewish. wasn't, right? It wasn't really an issue. Okay, so the issue of Jews just happened to be okay, so the guy that did this thing. Good. And so they, they, had, they didn't kill anybody. Just, but they had no, to be an example of because easy. they stopped. Okay, so good. So we buy that. But it would have been easy to point at them as Jews. But it's, but it didn't happen. I think it's so crude nowadays. That that kind of that kind of sure that kind of anti-Semitism does not exist. Right? That we agree does not exist. Right? So good. It may exist. You can't say it doesn't exist. It's not apparent. It's not apparent. Agreed. It's not socially acceptable. Right. Not why they were. In that case, but can you think of an example where again a very rich and powerful Jew is viewed? Uh, viewed negatively by the media or by well, Billy Graham others. was caught on tape talking to Nixon. It came out when right. they released the right. tape. Was it powerful, wealthy Jews? Talking about somebody in particular. I don't. I don't oh, know that right. Right. Just the, the rich. Right. Well, media is the issue. Well, that, that's I guess that's a form of wealth. I suppose the form of wealth. Okay, so maybe that could be it. It still could be apparent. It could be under the under the table. It could be, but people are still concerned. On a crude level, you do hear this. I think in the black community, you might hear this also. Jewish money, Jewish power, Jewish media, things like that. So I think you do hear that in a crude form. People don't really know. But in the more Wall Street circles, you're not going to hear that because they, they're just too sophisticated for that. It's somebody not like Jews for either racial reasons or, or other reasons, but not for economic reasons. Well, in Wall Street, the Jews have committed crimes, but there's plenty of non Jews that Yeah, that's his point. They Correct. They learned. Absolutely. They learned. Sharing the blame. Right. Agreed. So, good. So, let's come now to Twain's final point. And that is that he feels that high civilization is going to root out anti-Semitism. Of course, he's wrong about that. Nazism was high civilization, and that was, of course, very anti-Semitic. Good. Why? And he says, ultimately, it's always going to be there. Very pessimistically, I never thought about this, that it's always going to happen because the Jews always viewed as the foreigner, as the stranger, as the outsider, and because of xenophobia, the fear of the stranger, obviously, we're always going to be hated, as long as we maintain who we are. So what is his answer? Very simple. Assimilate. If you assimilate into the host population, then that's the way you're going to root out anti-Semitism. That's true, but of course we're not willing to accept that. Well, in Germany, they assimilated also, huh? Right. That might be um, exception to his rule. In America today, it's a good question. If one is an assimilated Jew, is one the victim of anti-Semitism? I would imagine not so. If your last name is very Jewish sounding and there is a situation that is a business or something that you will be called a dirty Jew or something. And you it's probably the still there. It's probably still there. Situations that people have intermarry and through the years of marriage, right. when a fight comes out, when, when something really bad happens, well, you are a Jew and that's why you did that. On a crude level, I think it's still there. It's, it's, it's amazing that this way into our history is still there. It's, I think it's absolutely right. I'm talking about when people loving each other, that <laughs> still, no, I'm serious. I agree. No, I agree. I still oh, think it's still there. So the still is not going to work either then. Right. Isn't it one of your congregants who says, uh, I don't say a certain thing because... People say, I got Jude. Yeah, that happened. Right. So he said he doesn't say um, Gypt because it's making fun of the gypsies. Somebody said that right. once, right? right. Yeah. yeah, same thing, same point. So people use that term. Right, Yeah, so that. Got Jude. Look at this last, um, this last issue over here. And we're going to try to finish in just a few more minutes Mark Twain's issue over here. That the Jew is always going to be viewed as the outsider. 
we choose that role to play actually we don't want to assimilate completely or at all because we want to maintain who we are we really can't quite understand why is it that we have to assimilate to be accepted if we're decent good human beings why do we have to assimilate to be accepted it's a legitimate question because it's human nature not to accept people that are different from you Human yeah, but American society is the melting pot. American society is one where we do accept. Block likes Jews that block hates. No, but even in general, in America, well, the idea of melting pot—you all melt together and you all assimilate. And now, okay, right. recently, are they changing the trend to the tossed salad? I don't see right. the melting pot right. in America. I it doesn't work. We agree. That's true. The whole Sorry. Now, now everybody's ethnicity. Yeah, is celebrated. Yeah. Right. So then we could. So why could we not celebrate ethnicity and not be hated for it? Is my question. That's the problem in Islamism. Yeah, because we're not putting that. Could you just define what you mean by assimilation? Are you talking about intermarriage? What he said. What does he say? Mark Twain, in one of these sources over here, one of the books that we had read, maybe it's in the encyclopedia article. Is an article in the encyclopedia article that we read? But what do you say? We dress differently, we act differently, we do things differently. That's right, right. So there are parts. So assimilation means not doing any of those things. So we're not talking about what we call assimilation, marriage, and marrying. Why is that not talking about assimilation? We're talking about taking on the cultures of the land. Right. Yes, yeah, so what we did. Are you going to go to work that's culture of the land? They may, you know, whatever. I think he says it over here that um, where he would want the Jew to assimilate completely. He says over here um, he seems well to have accepted several things, to his wealth, which could bring economic envy. Who caused that? A Jew. This is what he did. And I thought he was of the Jews talking to the Arabs. A firm assimilation. He was, he was unsympathetic, even to receive towards Herschel's Zionism. He wanted Jews to assimilate, to become at one of the Holocaust. He wanted you to not be Jewish at all. That's all. So, Mark Twain? So yeah. But then we wouldn't be when he said we... So what? What? That's what he wants. Yeah, he's right. He's right. If that would work, it may not even work, but if that would work, that's what he would want of us. But then we wouldn't be what he said, all the positive things about us. That he Correct. The reason why... Right, but doesn't want to say how you could cure... Then he wouldn't have competition and standards to live by either. All that's true, but it doesn't matter. He, if you want to solve a Jewish problem, you assimilate. He's telling us. If you want to solve a Jewish problem, you assimilate. Are you being sarcastic? No, no, he's right. We'll get to back to this in a minute. Okay. Let's just look at this last incident over here. Here's an incident that is significant. Last week in Vienna, a hailstorm struck the prodigious central cemetery that made westward destruction there. The Christian party, according to the officials, just 21 new panes were broken. Nine single birds were killed. Five great trees and many small ones were torn to shreds. And the shreds scattered far and wide by the wind. The other plants and the other vegetables that were ruined, more than 100 tombs were shattered. Two seven whole forces of laborers, three days clear away, so wreckage. And the report occurs in Mark, and it's towns, you can hear the, it grit its Christian teeth, that a hailstone hit the Jewish reservation. It was like a leasing agreement. You don't Isn't it amazing? <laughs> no. Such makes me tired. Say that again? No. Never <laughs> in front of you. It's just the idea. He's saying over here that it's just so strange how this happened. Look how there's an incident took place and it's significant. The Jews are protected. In Vienna, the Jews, it seems to be the Jews oh. are protected. Yet all, not, not a hailstorm hit the Jewish reservation. Is that possible? You believe that? I don't believe that. I can't tell me. That's the way it was reported. So some anti-Semite who wrote this report about what happened in the, in the storm wrote this way, not a Jews, and that's what happens. So you read it, and it... 
they, struck they, him. They have something similar to that recently, like how the weather is always good on Jewish holidays or something like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same. So we agree. It's, it's still, it's still around. around. That's what he's saying. It's still around. It's the same thing. Yeah, just because there's a song about snow on uh, But even if that is snow season, let's go on. Last point. Point number six. The golden rule. Right? We have the golden rule. What does it come with the golden rule? What's the golden rule again? Okay, good. It exists through sparkle. Well taken care of. It's exhibit A. What does that mean? It's a museum piece. It's a relic. Good. And the church's assets. He is no friend of the church's guy. And we pull out every Sunday and give it an airing. But you're not permitted to try to smuggle into this discussion. Where it is irrelevant and would not feel at home. It is strictly religious furniture. Like an acolyte or a contribution like one of those things. It's never been into, intruded into business. And because it's not a religious passion, it is a business passion. His point is it's economics. Good. Sorry? Yeah, that's his issue. To conclude, this is the key key uh, paragraph if statistics are right the Jews constitute about 1% of the human race nowadays how much is it? one, one quarter of 1% I think we would say we figured it out you have 6 billion which 600 million would be 10% right? and 1% would be 60 million and we're one quarter of that so we're one quarter of 1% of the human race right? That's it. we've got less in the last 100 years Right? It suggests a nebulous dimp-up of stardust lost in the blaze of the Milky Way. Probably the Jew ought to hardly be heard of. But he is heard of. Has always been heard of. He is prominent on the planet as any other people. As commercial importance is extravagantly out to the smallest of his bulk. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. We all agree it's true. Okay? Necessity. His contributions to the world's list of great names in literature, science, art, music, finance, medicine, and abstruse learning are also way out of proportion to what he Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Well, true. <laughs> Good job. He had a marvelous fight in this world, and all the ages has done it with the hands tied behind him. He can be vain of himself and be excused for it. The Egyptian, Babylonian, Persian rose, filled the plows, final spot up, then faded up to dream stuff and passed away. Look at Roman filed suit. Made a vast noise and they are gone. Other people have sprung up and held their torch high for a time, but it burned out. And they sit in the twilight now or have vanished. All true? Mm-hmm. We buy it? Yeah. The Jews saw them all, beat them all, and is now what he has always was. Exhibiting no decadence, no infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dwelling of his own aggressive mind. All things are mortal but the Jew. All other forces pass, but he remains. What is the secret of his immortality? It's an extraordinary paragraph. Well, Education? Okay, that could be it. Good question. Good point. Not in one of with spiritual <laughs> Yeah, I did. But we'll get to that later on. I think uh, now, Mitchner addresses it in the, in the next book. I think so, too. Yes, absolutely correct. We're going to compare the two as we go along. Let me just give you, in five minutes, what the encyclopedia about Mark Twain says. Although, from a close reading of this text, I think we'd agree that he did love the Jews. As you will know, his daughter Clara married a Jew, uh, married a, Jew a pianist. So... His daughter Clara, in 1909, married a Jew. Was it a Methodist? Sorry? Was it a Methodist no. Jew or no. a real Jew? No. Sorry, Gina? No. daughter Clara married a Jew. And we'll see... Um, over here, this book tells us... Uh, this book tells exactly what happened. No. The genuineness of his feelings. Now, I'm, I'm saying some of this polemically because we had a member, another who never came to the class, who had negative things about Mark Twain and the Jews, correct? Yes. So I think that's absurd. It's again a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And whoever it was, tell him that's absurd. The genuineness of his feelings about the Jews attested 
to by his attitude towards the great penis Asip Gabriel Owich, who met Twain's daughter Clara at the turn of the century, 1900, and married her in 1909. When Clara became friendly with the Jewish pianist, she writes, quote, She thought of my father. She thought of her father. Since child, I have heard him rail at the crass stupidity and barbarity of race prejudice. Often, of course, he ridiculed the persecution of the Jews, a member of whose race the entire world worships. Father used to find particularly laughable that so-called Christians filled with contempt for the Jew were themselves often the most insignificant or reprehensible members of the human race. Right? So he wasn't too happy with them. Cloud comments contain early remarks that her father's comments bless you, on Joe's were often repeated so much that he was suspected of being a Jew himself. Indeed, in the beginning of 1910, attempts were made in Germany to prove that he was Jewish and his name was really Salomon Clemens. <laughs> the Nazis publicized these efforts. So that's how you do it. Guilt by name. <laughs> His feeling with the Jews as a persecuted people was one aspect of his total outlook. Whenever he saw it, he condemned injustice, wherever, whether economic or racial, within the limits of his knowledge and understanding. Once he was matured, he threw up racist attitudes towards Negroes, Jews, Chinese, and Indians. He supported trade unionism in the 80s, was an anti-imperialist in the Spanish American War, and the imperialist adventure of European powers. Mark Twain was no social scientist, and there were inconsistencies in his social attitudes, but the will for genuine equality was present in his, as in few major American writers, which of course is very interesting. Now, the last point that we'll make about this person is that, this is, this is from the Encyclopedia of Mark Twain, it's a huge book, by Carl Delmuch, whoever he was, if any Gentile may deservedly be called philo-Semitic, in contradiction to anti-Semitic, it is Samuel Clemens who in both his public and private utterances and in the writings of Mark Twain sedulously combated anti-Jewish prejudice. His first encounter with Jews during his Hannibal, Missouri childhood, a station Jewish family named Les Sam kept a clothing store in the village after 1848. His schoolmates included the Levin brothers, first we ever saw, whom the town's Jewish Christian boys derided, chased, and stoned. The young Sam was more immune to handle his prejudice about Jews than he was about blacks. And it took him a while to overcome the prejudice about blacks. About, about Jews. Uh, it took him a while to overcome about blacks. He never was anti-Semitic, oh. but about blacks, it took him a while to overcome it. Right? When or why shed the negative attitude toward Jews imbibed his upbringing is conjectural, though Khan has pushed, uh, Okay, good. It appears the cumulative experience of rabid, often violently expressed anti-Semitism during his European sojourns to the attention to move Clemens towards a more enlightened understanding of the plight of the Jew in the diaspora and of the irrational base of hostility to the Jews. Then he went through this 1879, he marked down all this thing about how people hated the Jews. Oh, there's a cute line over here. The difference between the brain of the average Christian and that of the average Jew is about the difference between a tadpoles and the archbishops. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Can you repeat that that small point? Yeah, that's his that. He said, yeah. A scrapbook he kept around contained clippings of reports of European students of anti-Semitic injustice and atrocities. He deplored pogroms in Russia and Poland and took an almost obsessive interest in the Dreyfus affair. In France's unfold left in 1894, finding a classic case of both anti-Semitism and the moral degeneracy of, he often alleged of the French. Good. He, but he remained... Un, I'm he remained, remained, degeneracy of the French. He rem, apparently remained uninformed about the Talmud, of Jewish theology, liturgy, and religious practice, and even about Jewish life. He didn't know much about it. It was economic envy, rather, because that was the root cause which we saw of it, prejudice. Good. And finally, Clemens' most painful and prolonged competition with the came during his sojourn in Vienna, 1898, when he was pilloried in the city's ethnomistic press for socializing with prominent local Jews and even caricatured and denounced him as a convert Jew himself. We had Jewish friends and acquaintances well, Edelson in Vienna, 
Majority scholars were either Jewish physicians and journalists, or such as philo-Semitics, aristocrats, princess Pauline, Metternich, Countess Missa Weidenbrook, Count Richard Kudan Havakuri, and Baroness Bertha van Stutner. In Vienna, Clemens first observed that close hit reigns, the manner in which Islamism could be fermented and exploited for political purposes by demagogues, like the popular mayor Karl Luger and the parliamentary leader of the German nationals, George von Schroner, two of Adolf Hitler's idols. All of this tells about him. Good. So at the end of the day, what he concludes with is that here's a man that was way ahead of his time in condemning anti-Semitism. He would truly love the Jews and it simply was a matter of studying Jewish history and observing anti-Semitism that brought him to that point. Do we like him? Well, what, then why is him? You don't like him? No, and I'm not from away, but like if he's saying made the point that they should assimilate, they should join us, like be total. Then if you want to end the prejudice. It's up to you. If you want to end prejudice. About that. I, don't, I don't think you would. I don't know if he's right about that. I don't think he's right. I don't think he's absolutely wrong about that. But obviously the Jewish assimilation is not going to be hated as a Jew any longer. Right. If you want to so it's for our better. Yeah, for your benefit. So Absolutely. It is some, even, even though it's a straight right. statement, it's still somewhat sarcastic. He's saying, right, exactly what Harvey said. He said, you don't, you don't want to have this problem anymore? So don't be a Jew anymore. That's what he said. So he, he's, no. I like you. I'll be your friend. You won't be there. And then you're not what he's, how great he said we were. Well, okay, all he's saying is that's the world out right. there. Okay. So what do you want to do? I don't think he's being sarcastic about it. No, he's, he's telling us to assimilate. He's saying, no, he's, he's really condemning the attitudes of the world. Right. You cannot be who you want to be. That's the way it is. Right. That's what he's saying. The only way now let's go right. on. To be who you're not. not to We're going to go on to the source. The source. What are you happy with that? Here's the source. Right? All thousand pages. No that's a new one. The source. What you do with that? I just want to say that uh, very often the, uh, the non-Jews will have a lot of respect for Jewish people when they when they see them, you know, serving their religion, and practicing it the right, right way, and uh, and you see a lot and they admire it. Uh, Absolutely. A simple example: uh, sometimes the uh, trade shows we close on because you know, right. close for the Sabbath and all, and next day we come. And, the, and the non-Jews people come and say, wow, that's wonderful. And they respect you. And Absolutely. When, when, I think when the Jews act properly and, and do the... Okay, good. So that, and through the nations, etc. and all that, I think then, then they really can have a lot of respect. I think you're right. I think that was point number three. We do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that was point number three. Can the Jew ever change his, his, uh, his lot in life? I think the answer is somewhat yes. As you're pointing out, that if we in fact were able to do more of that, much more of that, on a much grander scale, charity, good works, be dignified human beings, respect others, in all of those manifestations of who we are as Jews, if we in fact do that, I think we will be well appreciated. But not by everybody. Agreed, but not by everybody. But we, we do agree that there's still going to be some semblance of anti-Semitism across the board. It has to be, it's not going to go away. Envious, economic issues, racial issues, religious issues, all that's there. We can't change that. I don't think we should try. I would disagree. I think we should try. And we should always behave in a way that we want to. We should behave the way that's moral for us. I don't think we should do it to try to change 
Be true to yourselves, and that's going to be good anyway. But why not? Because it has to be for the right reasons. It is. It is. I, I'm not necessarily to please them, but to, to reduce to gain their the animosity acceptance? against us. Yeah, I want to. Well, reduce the animosity against I think, us. I think the point is, I don't think the more of a good Jew you are, the more you're going to be able to, to influence people and get people to hate your last because... Agreed. So what's the package deal? That's probably like the, the key. I think, you're, I, think, I think you're right. I think it's the package deal. And I, Starts with the parents, starts with our rabbis, starts Maybe. with our teachers, starts... Yeah, with it's education, it comes up to that. Right. Maybe it has a lot to do... Maybe it has a lot to do with the popular... Our popular conception of what we are. Maybe that's... Absolutely. The, that's, that's, Absolutely. That's the biggest issue. Absolutely, that's true. But again, we're losing the battle. We're yeah, losing the battle to an extraordinary we, degree. We try so hard, and it's not... We don't, no, we don't try so hard. You don't think we do? <laughs> We give charity. We try to lead good lives. We try. Not to everybody does. Does any you one race as a whole? Yes, no, no. So no. why do we have? To? No, because we want to erase that prejudice. <laughs> Sorry, we all have the highest standards. Look, I mean, what's happening in Israel today is, of course, fueling that fire. You don't try and reach out to the world as a general rule. Your thoughts is not reaching out, and you're not giving an example of mixing with it. You're not. But you don't have to make it. You're leading by example, maybe? We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Israel, we're not doing it. I don't know if we could do it in Israel. That's a serious issue. Here you're the front page of the New York Times every single day with having killed five Arab, five Arab kids. Now that's going to cause anti-Semitism. That's a very painful awareness. Now, on the other hand, you're going to say to me that we have to do that. We're not trying to kill Arab kids, but it's happening because we're trying to protect ourselves. But on the other hand, what are they going to say? Well, we're doing what we're doing because you took our land away. And we're going to say, well, we didn't do that. You ran gave us this land. We bought the land. It's not you didn't take it away from you. And again, so it goes on and on and on. The cycle goes on and on. We only wanted to be theirs once we made it good. So. No. Well, all right. No, that's not fair. We, it's not fair. We want to try to really... I mean, if you look at from both sides of the coin, you could say a lot of things from both sides of the coin. Why the Arabs have a legitimate claim. Quote-unquote legitimate claim. I'm going to put that in quotes. What Israel is putting up with every single day was happening in the streets of America. That's correct. They That's true. They bombed every single Arab country in the world. <laughs> to, no, seriously. I mean, think I uh, don't disagree. Isn't, you know, that, isn't that where we're about to do? Only one so far. We started with one. No, I think there's a list. Well, no, we got Afghanistan already. All right. That's what we're going to do, right? It's very difficult. It's a very difficult situation because Israel cannot self-destruct. And the Arabs wanted to self-destruct, so what's the hope for that? But on the other hand, you cannot look at this as hopelessly, because we can't survive that way. Well, you know, the Jewish problem is, like, the Arab world still talking about us. Absolutely. The Jewish problem. Like I Absolutely. Week, Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Hey, we don't have to focus in Iraq and America. We're just going to make sure that America's not in our countries. But all, uh, us, all, all as Arabs, we've got to focus on the Jewish it almost yeah. reminds me of the final solution. You know, Absolutely. That's exactly where it comes from. Absolutely exactly. correct. Very scared. Absolutely the correct. in the world is like up in, up in arms on that conference that was on C-SPAN. Yeah, yeah, absolutely correct. I know. Absolutely correct. No, it's a serious issue. I don't. That's where it's not going to end. Right. Because Israel can't self-destruct, God forbid, and that's what they have to do, and that's going to involve ki- the killing of Palestinian children because there's no other choice of the matter. So what do you do? And it's going to create anti-Semitism. Because ima- once again, imagine if you were, you shredded the Psalms on was a Sunday. If you were an Arab, and I thought about it from the Arab point of view, right? Arab point of view. Now you're a kid, and the kids are throwing stones at a tank. 
and one kid was killed. However, he was killed. And when Israel went to Gaza, a shell exploded. They say it was an Arab explosion. They, we say it was a, it was actually they say it was a shell that exploded. You fired into a crowd and you killed 12 or 15 or 18 people. So what are you going to think? What's the Arab kid whose father was killed in that situation, or the kid? What's he going to think? He's going to hate. So the cycle goes on. On the other hand, saying what? Die? No, he can't die. The cycle is sick because but they don't, they don't when, when no, they fire one, one at a time. Don't interrupt the husband, please. Rubble bullets. But the fact is, I have to make this point. No, he doesn't. That they shoot rubber bullets to not kill people. That just is totally not even. The biggest point. Nobody makes distinctions. A Jewish family. That's a distinction. We agree. We agree. You and I agree. Doesn't make. You will never hear from a Jewish family saying, "I'm." proud of my son we agree. dying to kill Arabs. Never. Where you hear that, that they're not even human. I've they're subhuman when I've you heard Israeli that. soldiers like going for, to protect No, they say I want to kill some Arabs. I've heard of yeah, it. Oh, they want to kill some Arabs. They, they, they have come, they have come, come to that point. Nobody's proud of it. I don't think anybody's proud of it. I feel like Golden Ears is like, I can forgive you for killing my son, but I can't forgive you for making killers out of my son. That's what we say. We don't say... You have a child. You're right. I have a child, so i got to think... Am I ever in my life going to feel to the point that I'm going to be proud of my child killing himself for the Jewish cause? Guess what? I don't think... No, we don't do that. No, we agree. We agree. But the Arabs do. So that's where... It's a different world. We agree. So my my question again is, how do we end anti-Semitism? It's going to be very difficult because as long as you have Israel and the Arabs and you have 1.2 billion Arabs in the world... Muslims. uh, Muslims in the world, sorry. In the world, that's not going to solve the problem. Every... Muslim who feels some kind of association with the Arabs, with the Muslims there, is going to make this into a bigger deal. But when the Muslims not were, win. were being killed in Bosnia, I understand. That I know. Because we understand. That's what happens all the time. That's correct. Correct. Leon Bader, tell me something. Uh, I was uh, going to mention before there's some laws that we have that sort of like if I, if I was a goy, I would feel, uh, you know, like for instance, if I touch the wine, right, it makes it pasul. So it's like you can have uh, some sort of, you know. Uh, yeah, that could be explained. That, that's that's explainable. That's rational. That the rabbi said. That's the rational. And then you throw it out. So we explain it to them. You understand? It's not it's personal. I didn't explain you can't even if you follow every other time. I mean, they made the law so you wouldn't socialize. Exactly. So if you understand that, that's better. That's better than don't socialize with them. Don't don't associate with them. It's better than saying they're. I think one could. They're non-kibbutzified as you say. Leon's right. There are certain laws like that. But again, if you accept the premise that we want to remain apart. And the rabbis had legislated laws for us to remain apart, whether it's in terms of their bishulakum or whether it turns or in terms of staminam. That's not, that's rational. It makes sense. If, why don't you set my premise? And if you have the same premise against me, right? And I accept it. And then that's the same thing. If the pope came, if the pope came along and said that's like how the Arabs like Saudi Arabia says if uh, a Jew is not allowed to step foot in, in, in right. I don't. I, I respect that. That's fine. I respect that. <laughs> I understand where it's coming from. Mormons, only Mormons could touch any, even working on their, their... I was, I understand the concept of holy, that only a Kohan can go into Ben Amikdash. Do I, as Israelites, feel inferior to the Kohan because I can't go into Ben Amikdash? The answer is no. There's a certain hierarchy of religion. I understand the broadest understanding of religion, which has the, the, the realm of the sanctified, the non-sanctified. I, I, look, we live that way. So it doesn't bother me. 
So if, if somebody said to me, put it this way, if somebody said to me, let's say, that you as a Syrian cannot pray in my Ashkenazic shul. That's my point. We have worse than that. We, we have if they said that, or if they, let's say anything along those lines, I understand. Let's say uh, if you're married to a Hasidic family and they don't, you, they don't give you an aliyah, I say, okay, that's your thing. I understand it. I'll get it personally. Maybe that's the case, but I really believe that I don't think if, if my in laws who are Hasidic who said that you can't come into it, I say, look, it's stupid because I'm Jewish as you are, but if you don't get it, it's fine with me. I understand, I'm not going to be personally angry about it. Right, I'm sorry, Kenny? But that breeds resentment. What, their policy? Yeah. I wouldn't be resentful of it. If they told me that I can't come into a shul to pray, and I'm a Jew, I'm going to be resentful. I'm going to be angry. I wouldn't be. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. I would be angry at other, you know, religions or nationalities for not... Accepting us. us. If within a small here, one, what is one quarter of a percent, <laughs> we, within each other, this group doesn't like this group, you're not a Right, group right, right, right. So, but don't we do that to our mothers and sisters when we don't just sit in the back? <laughs> Different issue. Different issue. In my, in my, in my greed resentment, it's true, but I understand where it's coming from. It's not going to bother me. It's all on faith. It's not going. It wouldn't bother me. You have your own rituals. I have my rituals. You have your rituals. You do your rituals. I do my rituals. I may not agree with them, but, but if, I think if you believe that religion is a separate, separate part of your life, that's not going to interfere with your social and your political being. No, you won't. I mean, if you're in the United States. And you, religion is, 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 is to be separated from everything else, the other social interactions. Fine, you have your religion, I'm not going to go to your church, and you don't have to give me whatever sacraments in your church, and you don't come to my shul. Fine, that's a separate part of my life. I have the same political rights as you do. But if you go to Saudi Arabia, you don't have the same political rights as a Saudi Arabian, as a Jew. So of course not. But in, in that situation, I can see what's happening being right. Same way the Arabs, I mean, I can see the same way the Arabs and, and the Israeli Arabs feel a certain resentment against the, 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 the Jews. They're not permitted the same political rights. Well, I take that back. They're ostensibly permitted the same political rights, but they're not permitted to serve in the army. If yeah, I have a country... But do you think they should understand that? Intellectually understanding it is one thing. Being resentful and emotionally upset about it is something else. I can I don't. I mean, intellectually, it's very easy to understand. But does that make them feel any better? If, if, if you were living in Saudi and they wanted to show in their army, would you be upset about that? Hmm. You say, I understand. I'm a no, Jew and I have my loyalties. I would say I'm a second-class citizen. If, if I feel, in you, some regard, yeah, because you have to be. Why should I have? I'm sorry. Why should I have allegiance to a country? If I'm a citizen of a country. And I'm supposed to feel a certain patriotic burden to that country. And the country says to me, yeah, you can pay your taxes, you can vote. Yeah. But when, when they come in to start charging, when they, when they start shooting at me, I don't want you there. I don't want you behind me. I don't want right. you with a gun. I'm going to resent that. Okay. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm saying I, don't, I wouldn't react that way. I, I, I Japanese, uh, all, all, all I would, all I would say... You're a better man. No, I'm not a better man. I, 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 I think I understand yeah. the way people are. Yeah. I understand the way people are. That's the way religion is. That's the way people are. And I say, where are you coming from? You want your sacred places for your Muslims or your Christians, and you don't want Jews coming in. Okay. 
I understand that. I don't feel upset about that. I really believe that. I don't think I'd be upset if somebody told me that. Okay, but you're not dealing with what you feel. You're dealing with what the typical world feels. Okay. The then typical we, world feels you can accept. That so coming back to Leon's point. about the Quranim, I mean, even in, in the Torah, it shows that people resent it. Korah, it's written in Hebrew, it's written because they said, why should you be, uh, you know. But he was wrong, and, and, and that was, that's exactly the, the point. What did he make? What mistake did he make? Not to get into Korah right now. It's another issue. But, <laughs> but, he, but one could make the point that, he, that, that everybody is, is holy, and the Quranim have a different role. They're not superior. Right. They have a different role to play. You need roles in life. Yeah, it's like a concert, like an orchestra. One okay. Thing. Good analogy. Good. So you need to you need to work together on that. But if people are going to, I hear what you're saying. Also, good. But the end result of this is going to be anti-Semitism. That's the sad part about it. You're right. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to feed off of Leon's example about the wine, and you said that was an application of logic. But since today. That scenario doesn't really hold water anymore. It doesn't really hold any weight. Then maybe logic and reason would help to lessen the anti-Semitic burden if we applied logic and reason and and, and revise that halacha. Okay, good. Well, I could do that. Then you're, then you're not. One could do that. There's much that has to be revised in the Jewish legal system. We right. agree, but we, but we have, can't do it right but, now for other but as, reasons. As a nation, as a, at least in the Orthodox world. We, we are locked in Correct. to that. Right, right, right. And this that point. kind of creates... We agree. That's absolutely, obviously the case. One cannot solve that problem immediately. And, that's a, and, and only because we don't have a central bed team, we can't solve things... Well, maybe that's part of the problem, though. That we start falling back on that kind of an excuse. It's not an excuse. It's legitimately true. We can't. We have so many other issues to worry about. We can't worry about that particular issue right now. That's what I'm saying. We're going to let Leon work on that. By next week, you have to have it resolved. The rabbis are not concerned about that issue right now. To the contrary, the rabbis want to build higher walls against assimilation. Because it's more of a problem. We didn't start the source today. I'm sorry. I want to start the source today. I'm holding Leon Rebbe responsible. Okay, source. Dr. Baru. I'm going to deal with three specific areas. First, I'm going to deal with the question this raises for religion, which is not going to read anything for that. Then I think you should read of death and life and an old man and his God, which talks about paganism. I want to focus on paganism and biblical religion, which those two chapters... One chapter or two? It's two chapters. What is this? Death. Of death and life and the old man and his God. In, yeah, in your book. Right? And then... Is that okay? Oh, man is God. Yeah, that's it. So if anybody could... You know, it's about 50 pages. If anybody could, wants a Xerox, if those don't have the book, we would talk about that. Because I want to focus on what biblical religion is all about, what paganism is all about. Okay, that's a good example of that. We're then going to skip all the way down to the Stanley Men of Safed, which is about Jew mysticism. I think it's a very interesting chapter if we get to it. I don't want to spend more than two, uh, two and a half sessions on this, but if we get to it, we're going to talk about the same of which is Kabbalah. We want people usually want to find a little bit about Kabbalah, so this will be about uh, it's about um, seventy pages on Kabbalah. So it's it's an interesting chapter about Kabbalah. So those are the two that I want to focus on. Okay. Is that okay? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> the saintly men of Safed of Sfat. Don't worry, I'm just going to email everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to see if it was online. How can it be online? They want to sell books. I 